This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! So I got the uh, CZW had their once in a lifetime iPay per view this past on August fifth. Oh right, right, right. And I really wanted to watch it, so I actually I, I paid the ten bucks for the high spots on demand. Okay. Because um, I figured I get a whole month, I'll get to watch that. I'll get to watch some of the documentaries. The high spots one is something I've been wanting to try, but I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. And I did do the Chikara one for the um, the Johnny Kid tournament they did. Okay. Which was super lame and bad, and then I watched a bunch of the stuff on the Chikaratopia, and yeah, I'm good with that because it's <laughs> just Chikara and it's eight bucks a month. So once that was, you know, what I did, I ended up doing two months of that because I forgot to cancel it, but I just canceled <laughs> that one. <laughs> I actually have it until August 25th, and then it's done. Um, but I went ahead and dropped the ten bucks for the the uh, CZW because I wanted to watch this once in a lifetime my pay per view, right? And I gotta say, overall, top to bottom, I wasn't overly impressed with the show. Now, was it you weren't impressed because of the quality of matches, or you weren't impressed because of the quality of production? Okay, that's a very fair question. Production-wise, um, audio sounded great, video was great, you know, the feed was good. Um, you could hear the ring announcer great. Commentators were fantastic. Okay. You know, um, they had multiple. We had they, they had a multi-camera shoot, so cutting from camera to camera. They did a great job on that. I have no complaints there. They would play these video packages, kind of like in between the shows. Okay. And what I found it annoying about that was that they they just played them on the big screen at the arena, and then they put the camera up to them. Oh, so it wasn't like they put the feed into your screen? Yeah, so like there'd be an echo kind of from mm. it coming out. You know, so that was kind of like, all right, whatever. And, but some of those video packages were pretty damn cool. Like the video package for um, Joy Janela versus uh, Leo Rush was amazing. was really, really, really well done. They did a really like a Friday the 13th type gimmick to it. Right. And then the video package they showed for the return of David Starr was really cool. So the video packages were actually well done. It was just they didn't throw them into the feed. They just kind of showed them on the monitor or whatever, so but that right. that's fine. Um, so all right, the opening match was the aerial assault match, and it's a ten minute, ten people involved. And the big gimmick is they have these platforms on two of the turnbuckle corners, so you can get a good stand up there, get a good balance, and jump off or do stuff or whatever. It's typically okay. a cruiserweight match. Uh, friend of the show, Ace Romero, though was one of the contestants, which I was pleasantly surprised because I had no idea he was on the card. Oh, cool. And he's he's a main boy who I see at Limitless right. Wrestling all the time and whatnot. He ended up winning the match. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty awesome. There was a couple other guys I've seen from New England that were on the show, like Ken Broadway and the Mind Eraser, Mike Graca, uh, Grassa. Okay. The only problem I had with is sometimes like the setup of getting on the, the platforms took a really long time. It's like they could have just jumped off the top turnbuckle. Oh, yeah. And then, unfortunately, the finish kind of got botched because um, Anthony Bennett and Ace were up there on on one of the platforms. Ace is a big guy. takes him a little bit to get steady himself. And he was up there, and then Bennett kind of – I think he slipped and fell. And I think he tried to land on the table that was set up, but he ended up bouncing off the table. Okay. And in the process, Ace actually had to climb down pick him up, put him back on the table, climb back up, steady himself, stand up, and then splash him for the three count. So the finish just killed it because he had to get down, reset, climb back up, and it kind of took him a while to steady himself on that mm. that platform. So, you know. See, that's that's oftentimes my issue with, like, crazy high spots. Yep. That the end result sometimes doesn't outweigh the – Yeah. You know. The setup took so long. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. if, if that was done on something like maybe Lucha Underground, where they didn't yeah. edit the matches, yeah. I'm they sure it would have been... They could have gotten rid of that, yes. They I'm sure it would have been they, fantastic, but when... They could have cleaned it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it was a solid match. I enjoyed it. I didn't hate any match, per se. Just sometimes the finishes were like, what? Oh. 
um, the CZW Wire Championship with my Maxwell Jacob, uh, well, it says Friedman here, uh, or Feldman, whatever. He, he's another guy that's at Limitless Wrestling a lot, so I see him there. He wrestled John Silver. They had a great little match. Uh, John Silver's, uh, they call him the Raw Dog. Right. He's, he's like 5'7 or 5'6, but he is jacked to the gills, and he's really good. So, um, so that was a solid match. Triple threat tag team match featuring the Storm of Entrails against the Awakening against the Team FMW of Hosaka and Yaguchi. And uh, do you know what FMW is? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling was real big back in the late 90s, kind of closed up right. shop mid-2000. They're back now. Uh, the whole point of this card is Atsushi Onida was making his first match in the United States in 30 years, and he's like the king of the death match over there in Japan. He, That was his style that he popularized, and he became very, very famous for having these unbelievably sick, just ultra-violent matches and then crying when he won or crying at the finish, <laughs> and the fans just loved him for it. <laughs> Absolutely loved him because he'd cut these impassioned post-match promos with blood dripping from him or barbed wire stuck in him or, you know, just debris everywhere. And he, uh, it, it was, it, it's in Japanese and I was moved. I mean, like, sincerely, <laughs> just the way he emoted and everything, it was awesome. Anyways, so, like, I almost, like, tried to figure out, can I go to this show? Because I wanted to see it. I gotta be glad I'm, I'm glad I didn't go. Anyways, <laughs> um, so the team FMW guys, uh, one of the guys from Saka, he's a bit older, but whatever. And uh, Yaguchi, they, the, the Storm of Entrails ended up winning that one. Okay match, kind of chaos everywhere type stuff. Right. Uh, Tim Donst defeated Austin Shakespeare, and I didn't like this angle at all because Donst was stuck on the number two. Because he had won a match in like two seconds where like he hit a guy and then put on a finisher and the referee called for the bell and and then the guy submitted. Okay. Um, so he was like stuck on the number two. So he requested a clock be put up so he could try to duplicate his feet. And then when wow. he didn't, like he kept trying to line it up for the number two. Everything he said had to be said twice. He like he would do most every move twice and basically the finish came at the alleged at 2 minute and 22 second mark when he made the guy submit but Don's timing was off and when he actually got the move and the guy actually he didn't even really have it locked in when the guy submitted so they could stop the clock in time and it was just it was awkward right so we kind of had like it, it, it basically it was the the gimmick ruined the yeah hmm. yeah yeah, and it was kind of like the third match of the night where the finish was kind of awkward. Uh, and then they had the CZW Championship match of Shane Strickland against Masada. That was a good match. I was surprised Strickland won, but that was a solid match. Um, Masada's like surprising. Like people, you th- a lot of people think about Masada, they just think he's a deathmatch guy. Yeah. But he was actually trained uh, by Shawn Michaels with Daniel Bryan and, and Brian Kendrick. Never heard of him. At the same time, exactly. But he was actually trying by them at the same time, and so he by he went to deathmatch wrestling. But like they did some mat base, uh, you know, tit for tat, Cassis catch can stuff, and it was it was impressive to watch Masada keep up with that, especially when this is the ultra violent world of CZW. Hmm. Um, they had the final chapter. Uh, Leo Rush versus Joey Janela, and it was – this has been kind of the rage on the internet. You may have seen the clip about this, but essentially it's it's the clip where the guy takes the powerbomb off the ladder through the table and he no-sells it. He jumps right up to his feet after taking the move. Have you seen that clip going around on Facebook? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, I'll link you to it. Um, it's been a big – people are like, I can't believe they did this. They're killing the business. Oh, my God, on and on and on, stuff like that, and – this is their seventh match in their feud in CZW. They called it Part 7. They had a really great video package for it building up to it. The, the announcers really talked up the match. They talked about how what each one had done to the other made them who they were type of thing. Like the style of wrestler we're seeing Joey Janela right now is because of this match, his matches with Leo Rush. And then Leo Rush came out. He's like the black heart. And he had his you know, makeup on, uh, you know, paint on. And he had this whole really kind of cool production entrance. And he came out to, um, she drives me crazy by fine young cannibals. No, it was a cover version of (laughs) paint it black. Uh, with a woman singing it. 
It was pretty solid, actually. So he kind of had a whole like demonic type thing going on. And in the context of the story, the powerbomb off the ladder through the table uh, onto the ring canvas and him no selling it kind of made sense. Okay. You know, it, it actually kind of made sense. So it, it was like, okay, all right, well. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Sometimes you hear these stories of some guy getting shot 15 times, yet chasing down someone and tackling them until the police show up before he gets carted to the hospital. Yep, yep. Do you Adrenaline. think... I mean, exactly. Like, it could yeah. be... Like, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Right, right. But, I mean, maybe, maybe he could get powerbombed off a ladder through a table and the adrenaline just hypes him up so much. I mean, I've heard about (laughs) these, these, like, this woman who got in a car wreck and her car was on fire on her son, and yet she somehow managed to pick the car up off her son. Yeah. You know? I mean, and a very famous doctor looked into that investigation. I believe you may have heard of him. Dr. Kevorkian? Bruce Banner, and oh. he really looked into that. You know? <laughs> it's from the opening credits, okay? Yeah. Um, of, of The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> well, maybe. But still, yes. <laughs> I mean, you've also heard stories of, like, someone getting into a car accident and then the car getting picked up and power slammed off of a yep. ladder through tables. Yep. And then yep. the car just gets right back up and drives away. It does. That's Bumblebee, but still, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe like some guys in a monster truck and he gets pushed off the roof of a building in Detroit and yet someone comes back for the main event match like nothing's wrong with him. Yeah. Yeah. Or or he could be in a limousine that gets exploded. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like a couple months later, year later, he's just walking around like nothing happened. Yeah. Actually, it was less time than that, I think. I don't remember. Yeah, it was because 9-11 happened. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> So it was like a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, don't have my sound off of my phone. Sorry, folks. But anyhow, so Leo Rush got the win. It was a good match. They told a great story. Leo Rush has been signed by the WWE, so it was kind of his farewell match in CZW. Okay. And uh, I saw um, people griping about it on Facebook, and then one person commented, well, the guy that no-sold that move just got signed by the biggest company in the world, so I guess he's doing something right, <laughs> and we're not, so shut up. So I was like, ah, that's fair enough. Um, and then the whole he went to Global Force Wrestling. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and uh, the whole point of the show was the once-in-a-lifetime match. Okay. Uh, you know, Matt Tremont versus Atsushi Onita in a singles match, and it was supposed to be a, a no-roped, barbed-wire, electrified bat or exploding bat death match type of thing. So I like you fight bat exploding bat. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I was kind of jacked up for it. I mean, they did the entrance for Tremont and I'm trying to think of a song he comes out to. It is not what you expect. I mean, you said she drives, she drives me crazy. crazy. <laughs> I find on cannibals. It's pretty close to that. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, like it's a song, which but like, it's not oh, as good as Belinda Carlisle. No, God, okay. no, 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 no. Um, <clears throat> Um, because he has right now he's doing this gimmick in CCW where he is Father Matt Tremont, right? And oh, he he comes out to journeys separate ways. <laughs> yeah, like when that music kicks on, the fans lost their mind. I went, oh my god, that's right, he comes out to separate ways. <laughs> um, so he's been doing this gimmick where he's kind of like a cult leader, Father Father Matt Tremont, and the Awakening is his. Um, as his followers and basically you know for this match though he came out as the bulldozer Matt Tremont you know he wasn't uh, he wasn't in his full father gimmick he was the old school gimmick because he had to go back to his roots for this match with Onita so he could prepare himself for it so that was kind of a cool storyline and then he had told his guys um, the awakening not to come to the ring he was going to do this on his own and so for about 10, 15 minutes or whatever, Onita and, and Tremont just beat the shit out of each other, going all the way around the ring. And and Tremont took a beating. I mean, he took a beating. Uh, getting thrown on barbed, barbed wire boards, 
uh, getting hit with chairs, uh, getting thrown into the barbed wire. I mean, he got cut up. He getting hit with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire, getting hit with the exploding barbed wire bat. I mean, he took a vicious beating. And Onita, oh, and they spit mist at each other's face, and the mist was red. And I say that because I'm pretty sure Onita never, never bled in this match. <laughs> like, you know, a lot of times they'll have mass pouring out of their head. I don't think Onita had any coming out of his head. He may have had some incidental cups, cuts, and, and scrapes from the barbed wire, but that nothing like he wasn't a crimson mask like Tremont was and then yeah. all of a sudden uh the the other two fmw guys ran in and uh interfered and that led to danny havoc and ricky shane page running out to interfere who are not in the awakening by the way and it's almost like teddy long came out and made it a tag team match and they made it a six-man tag okay so now it's a six-man tag of team fmw against tzzw and team fmw won and all the CZW guys bled like stuck pigs, especially Ricky Shane Page. Oh, my God. Like, they were bleeding like crazy. I don't think any of the Japanese guys bled. Uh, it was Carnage <laughs> and Chaos. And, and the match was – I mean, it, it's what you want from a death match. It was a good match in that retrospect. However, the whole point of this show was the once-in-a-lifetime match between Tremont and Onita. Right, which they didn't do. Well, right. sort of didn't do. They sort of did. And then they interrupted. And then post-match – Onita in his broken English cuts a promo where basically he says uh, he wants Tremont. He challenges Tremont to come to Japan in October for another match. And he'll show you what explosions are all about. Because they can't do exploding ring matches in the States or at least in New Jersey. But huh. they can do whatever the fuck they want in Japan. And so Tremont's now going to Japan in October to fuck Russell Onita in an exploding ring match. And it's like, so at the once-in-a-lifetime event, not only do we not get the complete singles match between the two guys that are advertised as being a once-in-a-lifetime match, they book the return match in another country. But the once-in-a-lifetime match? Yeah was the only time you're ever going to see the two of them sort of have a match, which yeah. gets turned into a six-man tag. Yeah. So they're not lying to you. That's true. They're not They're not lying at all. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I felt a little cheated, to be honest. Felt a little cheated. But did you feel $10 cheated? Uh, no, I re- I've uh, so far... In the less than a week I've had this, I have really gotten my $10 worth. There you go. Uh, and I'll talk about that a little bit later because uh, where we're talking about deathmatch wrestling, i got to talk about IWA Mid-South real quick. Uh, IWA Mid-South is the other league. They're based out of uh, Memphis, Indiana. Okay. And they are the other – like CZW and IWA Mid-South are the two big, big uh, deathmatch places in – United States, I believe. Okay. I think there's another IWA, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I, I feel like it's just Mid-South. But anyways, um, it might be – anyways, there might be another IWA, like, Deep South or some shit, too, that does the Carnage Cup. Yeah. So, there's, uh, yeah, there's definitely three. Anyways, so having a show uh, August 12th called So You Want to Be a Deathmatch Star? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> – uh, yeah, and it's a deathmatch tournament of eight competitors, and the winner and a partner of his choosing are going to be entered into the double death tag team deathmatch tournament in September. And I bring this up because a couple of guys that wrestle in Maine a lot, the ultraviolet assassin Rob Marsh and J.P. O'Reilly, are, are going to be in the tournament. They're two of the eight competitors. Okay. So that's kind of cool because I've seen them both wrestle a bunch. I had no idea O'Reilly had any deathmatch uh, wrestling uh, in him, but I've actually seen Rob Marsh in a couple death matches with light tubes and barbed wire and thumbtacks and better nails and everything here in Maine. So, um, And they're actually going to be wrestling each other in an electrified light tubes, loose tubes match. So that'll be <laughs> ridiculous. That'll be ridiculous. The other matches on the card of the tournament include a fans bring the weapons, a four corners of pain barbed wire board match, and a thumbtacks, ladders, and carpet strips match. Carpet uh, you know strip? what a carpet strip is? No, obviously I don't. 
okay. Uh, carpet strip is the uh, like the little piece of wood that's got nails. Oh, uh, with the nails. Oh, it. got it. That you lay yeah, around yeah. the outside of your wall to hold your carpet down. Yeah, when you first said carpet strip, I'm thinking to myself, yep. I'm like, really? Like, that doesn't seem like that's really going to bother anyone. It's nice and yeah. soft. And... Nope, nope. This is what they use. This is the carpet, you know, the, right. the tack strip. Now yeah. I got yeah. it. They yeah. put those yeah. on a board, and then they throw each other on them. Huh. Yeah. Now, yeah. let me ask you this. Sure. Do you think at some point it gets to be too ridiculous? Um. Well, <coughs> I would believe I'd have to go back in time to FMW or Hayabusa and H or Mr. Ganosuke had an anal bomb explosion match. There you go. Where essentially to win the match, you had to jam a giant like bottle rocket and the other guy's ass and light it and then it would shoot out yeah so yeah, that happened that <laughs> happened in a wrestling ring in japan yeah <laughs> so yeah, we pretend yeah. that that didn't just happen in this conversation and yeah. um no like for me when you start talking about you know electrified light tubes and blah blah, yeah. blah like at some point it's no longer about wrestling <laughs> right and and that's where like I got to be honest. I I loved ECW stuff when I was yes. growing up. Yes, but because they didn't it was do insane. Like this. Well, yeah. not really. Well, they, but they, they did thumbtacks and tables, and they went kind of crazy. They did some and, fire related stuff. And as much but, yeah. as I really enjoyed that stuff, yeah, I go back and watch some of it now, and I'm like, you know what? Some of this really isn't wrestling. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's that's called garbage wrestling. Or deathmatch wrestling, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's not your traditional catcher's catch can, that's for sure. You know, like every now and again, I enjoy a crazy spot. Yeah. You know, where where they do something insane. Yeah. But like, you sent me that one, the the link to that one documentary, where they were like on the roof and yes. they jumped through all the light tubes into the back of a truck and everything was yep. on fire or whatever. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't know with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you ever? Well, it, was, it must be a year ago now. The clip from Japan of the match where the guy had they had the scissors that were held open with zip yeah. ties on that board. Yeah. And the other guy like you know bumped the other guy on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's too far to me. Yeah. That's 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 too much. Yeah, a lot of that stuff. It's I don't know. And, and the problem is. Like now, I mean, look, you have the two extremes where you have matches like that, which are just completely ridiculous. Yeah. And then you have like, just say the WWE stuff now where they're trying to keep it more family oriented. Yep. But they'll have, you know, oh my goodness, we're going to have a hell in a cell match. You're like, oh, something crazy has to happen. But it's like the toned down version of what would have happened 15 years ago. It's like the Ambrose Asylum match they had with with Ambrose and Jericho, and they yeah, actually like did moppy. a thumbtack bump. Oh yeah, but I couldn't believe they actually did that. Like I was shocked, shocked. Yeah. Well, because everything leading up to it in the match was was like comedy, lame as shit. Yeah, you know. But no, <laughs> I agree of... that. And when when they pull out the thumbtack bump, yeah, you know, especially like for Jericho to take it. Yeah, you're like. Yeah, he's been around a while. Like he's not that kind of guy, but well, I that's think amazing. About, I think about Randy Orton taking like you know that the match he had with uh, McFoley back in like '04 or whatever it was '07, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, you know where Randy Orton takes the thumbtack bump. He takes the barbed wire bat to the head and gets bloodied and everywhere. And it's like holy shit. Yeah. And then fast forward a couple of years later, and Ric Flair is wrestling with thumbtacks. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. You know, in ECW, like he had that match at ECW with the Big Show, or like they had built that he was gonna have an I Quit match with with uh, Mick Foley at SummerSlam. I was at that SummerSlam, by the way. Damn. But like on <laughs> ECW, like the week before, for whatever reason, all of a sudden he's wrestling the Big Show and he's got thumbtacks and this and that. And I'm like, oh my god. And it was it was like, oh, they're gonna show you what Flair's willing to do against Mick Foley. So he's taking a choke slam on thumbtacks, and I'm just like, oh. I never thought I'd see Ric Flair do something like that. Right. You know? But uh, a lot of people forget that back, <clears throat> all the way back in the year 1987 at Clash of the Champions 1, 
on TBS, the Road Warriors and Dusty Rhodes wrestled the Powers of Pain and Ivan Koloff in a barbed wire match where they wrapped barbed wire around the ring ropes. Hmm. Like, people forget about that a lot. Like, so it's not like barbed wire is a new thing in wrestling. Well, I mean, right. Jim Crockett Promotions was using it and matches back in the 80s. Yes, it's a lot different now, obviously, and, you know, ECW was using it and everything, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, at some point it does go from being, you know, a nice mat-based catch-as-catch-can wrestling event to uh, what the freak is going on. Right, you know, and like it's – in a way it's become – it's kind of a shame that, you know, nowadays when we watch, say, you know, like Jericho take the tack bump or, you know, Shane drop an elbow, you know, off the – a taller Hell in a Cell cage, and you're just like, yeah. I mean, it was cool, but okay, yeah, you know. But then, you know, at the same time, you see a guy take, you know, fluorescent light tubes and like shove it down a guy's throat, and then shoot him in the face with a handgun, <laughs> and then rip off his foot with like a bear trap. And you're just like, well, I don't know. I just don't think that that has any. You know, it's just. I don't see what that has to merit with wrestling. Yes, <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. Um, yeah. So speaking of the high spots. Okay. <clears throat> so I, 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 there's a lot of content on high spots. I mean, there's a great Bruiser Brody documentary I watched that I recommend everyone Ooh, watch. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's really good, actually. There's a bunch of great documentaries on there if you haven't seen them, like the Harley Race ones on there, the Jim Crockett Promotions, the Glory Days one. I own you know those on DVD. I love them. The Rock and Roll Express one is on there. I mean, do you have a Roku? Or... No. Because they have a Roku app, and that's how I watch it primarily, but you can watch it right on highspotswrestlingnetwork.com. Okay. Because um, I watch it on my, my Kindle Fire tablet at work, actually. And... It's pretty fantastic. Like they have some great, great, great documentaries on there, and then they have like the Kevin Steen show, and they have like I don't know a couple dozen episodes of that where he basically just sit and shoot the shit with his friends, like the Young Bucks or whoever, where he was the moderator of the interview. It's like a you know it's like a podcast but visual style. Okay. Um, and they got some shoot interviews. They got classic footage. I mean, they have a ton of stuff. But one of the things that really caught my eye, and I've been watching, is they have uh, Progress Wrestling from the UK. And Progress is is their form of wrestling. It's called British Strong Style. They've been around since 2012. Um, a lot of the guys that are in the WWE's uh, UK league, if you will, are they got them from Progress, like Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne. Oh, Actually, okay. they're a team known as British Strong Style. Um, Mark Andrews, all those guys, including Zack Sabre Jr. or whatnot, they all are – they're all from Progress, a lot of them. Um, I think right now Pete Dunne's the Progress heavyweight champion currently. So, And by the way, they're coming to New York and Massachusetts this weekend, and I can't go. They're going to be in New York tomorrow, the 12th, and then they're running a doubleheader show in Mass with Beyond Wrestling on Sunday. I wish I could go to those so bad I can't describe, but the Progress show sold out in 10 minutes. Jeez. What, yeah. what size venue is it, like 11 people? No, it's like uh, it's probably a six or like seven hundred seat venue. Yeah, yeah. it's a good. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a average size wrestling venue, like indie wrestling type venue. Like they could have done a bigger venue, but it's the progress it's is the, the first. Yeah, exactly. So, anyhow, uh, what I've been watching on progress and loving pretty much every second of it is the uh, Super Strong Style 16 tournament that took place, I think it was May of 2017. It's their annual three-day tournament they do, and this year it's a three-day tournament. Okay. And, I mean, the matches on this show, holy shit, dude. Like, I really think you should watch it. Like, I'll give you my username and password if, if, if they're allowed to do it. But, I mean, you're seeing matches like some of the best British wrestlers, plus you're seeing things like on night two, I want to say it was, uh, Matt Riddle and Jeff Cobb tore the house down. I, I, I can't get over how great of a match this was. I mean, it's Literally definitely the best match of night two. Old barn. Huh? Huh? I was joking. You say they tore the house down. Yeah. And I said, uh, yeah, forget it. Nope. I got you. Don't worry. Um, 
But no, they killed it. Absolutely killed it. I mean, they got standing ovation after standing ovation after standing ovation from the crowd. Was Um, it deserved? It was deserved, actually. Yeah, it was deserved. The only thing that might annoy you is like, you know, the 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 day after WrestleMania crowds or when they do the UK shows. Just like insane crowd. Yes, it's insane crowd and they chant a lot. See, I don't mind... The they do a lot thing. of singing and a lot of just like it's the UK like tournament. Brit- yeah, I was going to say, it's probably like yeah. British fans. Yeah, exactly, because it's British fans. So See, what's I, great I about this – I watch a lot of English soccer. Okay, so, I, so you're I used like, to it then. I like those crowds. They're a good crowds. Okay, then you'll love it because I have no problem with it. Um, so I'm going to talk about – okay, so Progress Wrestling. They use a 16 by 16 ring, a 16-foot ring. Okay. Um, they have phenomenal production, like – as far as lighting, entrance, music, hearing the commentator, hearing – I mean hearing the ring announcer, hearing the commentators. Um, they have their their camera style. I don't think there's a, a, a hard camera. I think they just have handhelds. Oh, wow. But but they do a great job. Like the two guys they got doing the cameras, they don't pay them enough I don't think because they do a fantastic job. Um, like – and it's a visual style that I actually really enjoy because it kind of makes you feel like you're kind of in there because, like, they'll actually show the ca- – and they cut between the two cameras, you know, to give you the different angles and this and that. But, like, they'll actually show the camera guy kind of like – the camera come around the ring post and then get up there between the ropes to kind of zoom in type of thing so it looks natural and normal. Like, I just – I love the technical aspect of the whole show visually. Right. It's very appealing and very appeasing to me. They do a great job catching the action and everything. Um, and the two commentators, I don't, I don't know who they are. They do a phenomenal job, like really, really good job on the show. And the thing I noticed, I haven't watched night three yet. I still need to watch that. I've watched nights one and two. Um, the thing is like on night one, the ring announcer comes out and he does a whole bit in the ring that they show. And at first I was like, Oh, come on, let's get to the wrestling. But then after watching, I was like, this is pretty awesome. And basically, like, the progress of motto is that everybody's welcome. Sorry, the motto of progress is, like, everybody's welcome. They don't care who you are, where you're from, what you're doing. You're all welcome. And it's funny because, like, on night one, they want to know everyone that's that's there from outside the United – from outside England, you know, outside the country. Okay. Who travels to this? And people will stand up, and he'll go around and go, what's your name, where you're from? And – you know, oh, you know, we came from here. We and he goes, oh, you guys, you're from you're from Spain. We see you at all our shows. Thank you for coming, but sit down. We've talked to you enough. Hey, where you you know where you're from and this and that. And then on two, he gets up. He does his kind of his like you know his whole thing where like everybody's welcome. We all just want to have a great, fun, happy environment atmosphere. And he swears a lot, so they don't. There's no none of worrying about that. <laughs> but he goes around. Okay, now tonight, and we're gonna ask everyone who wasn't here on night one to stand up. And so there's not a lot of people, but there's some people that stand up. And he goes around and asks every single one of them, where the fuck were you? (laughs) (laughs) And they have to tell him, I was at a wedding. Okay, that's okay. Where were you? I was at this. Oh, that's a lame-ass excuse. You know, where were you? And it's just – it's funny. It's a a cool bit. And I actually sat and watched the whole thing because I enjoyed it instead of just fast-forwarding through to get to the wrestling. So, yeah. I have a tremendous amount of positive things to say about – about progress cool yeah um on night one there was a match that uh with two guys that i had never heard of before and uh one of them okay he's got a funny name um one of them is a uh guy's name is jack sexsmith okay yeah Anyways, uh, his name is, and uh, he wrestled um, Zach Gibson and Jack Sexsmith. He, he he's gay, okay, but he doesn't do the flamboyant gay over the top character. Okay, it's like he's proud to be gay. He wears the rainbows. Like there's fans that have rainbow flags. He's moved by it. He's got a huge fan base over there. Like people are really behind him, and he doesn't. It's like he's. He's like, I'm proud that I'm gay, but I don't, I don't uh, talk about it. Like, it's not. So you know, okay, you know, everyone's like, everyone knows that. Uh, oh God, what's his name in the WWE? He was Darren a team Young. of Titus O'Neil, huh? Darren Young. Darren Young. They came out. Darren Young's gay, but they don't talk about, it, don't mention about. It. He just rustles. Right. This is this is um, 
they talk about it. Well, they don't talk about it. They just it's known, but he just rustles. It's like the, it, it, it seems every other person in the United States that I've seen a gimmick where someone's gay, it's the over the top, flamboyant, high pitched voice, feminine. You know what I mean? Right. And this isn't. He's just tremendous fan support though and him and zach gibson had an unbelievably awesome match where they told a fantastic story and gibson worked the arm the whole show and and sex smith was fighting from the bottom the whole time to make his comeback as the underdog i mean and listening to the commentators and i'm not gonna lie when the finish happened i jumped off off my couch like just in involuntary reaction like holy shit <laughs> and i actually have I, my eyes got watery like i it was so good like i haven't been that taken away by a wrestling match in so long and the fact i'm actually getting kind of goosebumps thinking about it right now to be honest and the fact that it was two guys i'd never heard of made it even better see isn't that the best it's the absolute when... best i i had to go on i went on twitter and commented about it to them like We've been watching for a long time, yeah. and obviously, you know, from when you're little kids and everything is totally real to when, you know, like in the 90s when they sort of broke everything down, you know, like yeah. you knew that it wasn't real, but you didn't know, but then all of a sudden it was all the behind the scenes stuff and, you yep. know, they really, really let you into how everything was done. Yep. And since then, I mean, it's like it's very rare to get those moments where you're just like totally into it again. But yeah. when it but when it happens, god damn it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was completely blown away, just I legit I literally I came off my couch. I'm gonna spoil it for you, I'm sorry, because I think you already know. When Sexsmith got the win, I came off I, I literally jumped out of my seat. Like <laughs> And I couldn't believe it. And then I'm clapping at the TV at three o'clock in the morning by myself, <laughs> tears in my eyes. And I was just so like I was emotionally drained after I had to pause it after like I once they got out of the ring, I had to pause it. And the crowd went insane. The pop that they made when he won, because I almost feel like everyone wanted him to win, but nobody thought he was going to win type right. of thing. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And, um, it was emotional, but yeah, like I, I'm definitely going to have to watch that. Yeah. Night two, he comes out, he's wrestling Zack Sabre Jr. I'm like, I wonder if they'll have the same type of emotion behind him because Gibson was a, was a, a heel and you could tell that because of the heel promo he cut before the match, which right. was vicious by the <laughs> way. Um, but Zack Sabre Jr.'s baby face, everyone loves Zack Sabre Jr. You know what I mean? It's I don't Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. And then Jack Specksmith comes out, and the night, the day before, he's come out and he's holding this flag up, and he's all excited. And he comes around, and half the front rows, all they all, they're all holding up, you know, uh, the the rainbow flags. And he comes around, and you can see him get emotional about it, like he can't believe it, you know, the support, this and that. Night two, he comes out, and he's somber, and he's not jumping around, and he gets in the ring, and he takes his ring jacket off, and his arm is all taped up to his body. And he gets on the mic and he goes, I tore my bicep last night in the match with Zach Gibson. Now, I don't know if the injury was legit or a shoot. It didn't matter. It was brilliant because the way he worked the arm last night, 100% believable. Hmm. And the crowd's like, oh, my God, no. And the commentators before that were talking about how Sabre Jr. and Sexsmith are friends and Sabre Jr. is like a supporter of his and, you know, and everything like that. And when Zach came out, he was somber. So he obviously already knew, you know, storyline wise or whatever. Um, but like he was showing like he wasn't acting normal either. And then once you see that his, you know, the guy's arms all taped up and it's taped to his body and everything like that, he got the sling or whatever, you know, it's kind of like, OK, that's why he's acting that way. And the commentators are just like, oh, my God, no, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But Sex was like, I'm not going to forfeit, though. You're going to have to beat me. And he, he cut a really good impassioned promo. And then they proceeded to have a match uh, where, you know, one guy had one functioning arm and they still managed to put on a, a very entertaining match. And it was like the very reluctant Sabre Jr., like, you know, rustling this guy. Okay. So, again, it, they managed to tell a fantastic story. This match with with him having one working arm, is it yeah. better or worse than Ken Shamrock handcuffed behind his back fighting a match uh, 
way back when. Oh, tremendously better. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 No, it was it was good. They did a great job. They did they did a great job on that match. And then that night too, also has the uh, the Matt Riddle against Jeff Cobb, and it, that was Jeff Cobb's debut over there for Progress Wrestling. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Matt Riddle was like the Progress Atlas champion, which is the opposite of the cruiserweight title. You have to weigh more than 205 pounds to be in this division. <laughs> um, but yeah, do, you got to check it out. I, night one, night two, both absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, these guys are just doing a great job over there. The, the guys that own Progress, one is like an actor – who played Buddy Holly in, on like Broadway and in musicals or stuff over there for like a dozen years or something. Okay. And I, I don't know the other guy, but they were just wrestling fans who wanted to see their style of wrestling that they like and enjoy in the United States. I mean, sorry, like that they enjoy in the United in, Kingdom. And the right. thing that really works for them is that neither one of them are wrestlers. Okay. So they're not there to put themselves over. They're there to put out a product that as fans they want to see and – they just have a great, you know, they're in touch with their fan base, kind of like Randy is for Limitless Wrestling here in Maine. You know, mm-hmm. like he's not a worker. He's a promoter. He does ring announcing, but he doesn't want to ring announce his own shows. But he's just really in touch with what we want to see and what, you know, and what works and brings it in. And like he's developing a fantastic product here in Maine. These guys have been now fine tuning it for five years over in the United Kingdom. And it's phenomenal. Like you can get just progress on demand. Okay. So you can get the stuff sooner than what than when high spots has it, but the uh, the appeal of the high spots is everything else that comes along with it, you know. Right. Yeah. <sighs> God, I love wrestling. <laughs> did um did I tell you I finally started watching Lucha Underground like from the beginning? Oh no, how's that going for you? Uh, good. I'm I'm only a couple in. Yeah. Because uh, I just haven't had time. Like I started. When I was on vacation, I was like, you know what? It's on Netflix. Why am I not watching this? Mm-hmm. And I watched like a couple episodes the first day, and then I yep. just sort of stopped because I didn't have time. I got to go back to it. Yeah. But um, my my seven year old watched a little bit with me, and yep. he's not seen a lot of wrestling. His right. experience and exposure to wrestling is playing the WWE Champions game on a tablet. Yep. So he knows who some of the people are, and then he'll talk to, you know, kids at school. So he knows some of the wrestlers. Yeah. So of course, I'm watching Lucha Underground, and he's like, "Oh, is that, you know, where's Kevin Owens or where's you know John uh, Cena or something?" Where's the I'm WWE like, guys? They're yeah. not on this. This is different. I'm explaining it yep. to them. <clears throat> the match that he ended up watching, the entire thing of with me was in the very first episode when um, Ricochet, or uh, Prince Puma... Prince Puma, yeah. Uh, ...fights... um, the hell's his name in... Johnny Nitro. Yeah, uh, Johnny, John, Mundo. Johnny Mundo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, So he watched that whole match with me. And the look on his face was absolutely priceless. Because, <laughs> I mean, the two of them are doing crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, he's never... He's never really seen it. Like, he's watched a couple matches on, like, the pre-shows of pay-per-views before he's gone to bed. Yep. So he's seen not much. But, yeah, he's watching this, and he's like, whoa, and, like, the whole time. And then my favorite part of the whole thing is, you know, like, in that first episode where the the promoter guy's like, here's a briefcase full of money. If you win the night, yes, you're going to get the briefcase full of money. And that was the the big guy he gave that to was Ezekiel Jackson, by the way, if you didn't recognize him. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I knew. OK. okay. Um, but it was fun, like at the end when he's going to give the money, but then he says no. And the guys come out and like beat the crap out of them. Yeah. My son was legitimately pissed off. He's like, this is not fair. He said he was going to give him the briefcase. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I remember when I used to get yes! upset like this. When, yes. I, when I was like seven or eight years old, yep. and you're just like, how, how can he be so mean to this guy? <laughs> <laughs> now let me ask you, when was it spoiled for you? Like when was, 
When, when did someone tell you, like, you know, it's all fake? You know what I mean? When, when, when did you find out about Santa Claus when it comes to professional wrestling? You know, I don't even know. Like, I mean, <clears throat> by the time, I'm trying to think, it was like the mid, like the early 90s, I sort of stopped watching for a bit. Yeah. Um, I guess it was, trying to think, it was probably like right around when Hogan went to WCW, so it was like maybe 94, 95. Yeah. I, I just sort of like, for a couple years, I was like, I just don't care. You know, I'd, I'd watch some stuff, but I didn't ever watch, like, any of the big pay-per-views, mm-hmm. which was great because around, like, 98, 99, when I started watching again all the time, my friend had, like, on video, <laughs> you know, he would – they would get every pay-per-view and he would record it. So he's like, you have to watch these matches and just handed me a pile of tapes. Nice. And I was like, well, this is fantastic. I mean, by then – I mean, you knew it was fake, but yeah. at the same time, back then, they yeah, uh, back then though they were doing ridiculous stuff, so that even though you know that yeah, this is it's scripted, it's you know whatever, they're still doing stuff that take your mind out of it. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I I know what you mean. So. Um, I yeah, but say like, when I, I, really, was... I have no idea. But then, but it was around that same time that uh, what was that first document, Beyond the Mat? Oh yeah, yeah. Came out, and you know there was all the other stuff. Because I, I remember we were watching the well, Pillman think, like, has the a gun secret, thing. This, the the pre- secret world of pro wrestling came out on NBC, where they basically oh, yeah. had like you know, all those guys and yeah, and the masks doing stuff and yeah, selling, and they'd yeah. show you how they did the moves. See, and, the punches and that was and around they... the same time they did that yeah. with like magicians and stuff. Yeah, on, exactly. You know, Unlocking they're just like, hey, let's ruin everything for everybody. And it was like every channel would pick a different subject. Yeah. Fox did the magician guy, and NBC did the yeah. wrestling. And they even they even showed a guy blading. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's yeah. I don't know. It. Uh, I remember watching that, but I think I was around nine or ten. I was in the car with my car with my dad and my stepmother, and. I remember my stepmother basically saying wrestling was fake. Well, don't you just all just fake anyways or something like that? And I remember the look my dad gave her, like, he, like snapped his head around and he like looked at her, like, like gave her a nasty look, and he was just like, you know, like don't say that or whatever. And I just remember like, don't worry, dad, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like I didn't believe her. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe her at all. Um, but yeah, I don't. I'm not. I, I'm kind of the same way. Like I don't. I just at some point I just realized like, all right, clearly you know this is this is not on the up and up. But I don't care. Yeah, but like I mean, I remember watching WrestleMania seven and being like legitimately moved that Miss Elizabeth was there and made the oh save. Oh my god! On, yeah, me too. <laughs> on Randy Savage, you I know, remember. like I remember all that stuff, and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't until at least a couple years after that. That it like really started clicking for me. I remember watching WrestleMania one, and at the time, at the you know, I remember like I was like they kept giving like to me in my mind as a kid. Then they like they gave Hulk Hogan a hundred thousand atomic drops in that match, and I was getting so frustrated because it clearly was hurting him so bad. So stop <laughs> doing it. <laughs> Just stop doing that. Do something else. That clearly is hurting him too much. Like I don't, I don't know rings a bell but yeah i just i remember just at some point you know being like all right you know like i i understand kind of like the same thing when you're a kid and you eventually realize about you know santa claus and all that stuff yeah so Um, so far my oldest like i'm still pretty good with that like he's been losing teeth and the tooth fairy still exists so i'm happy i don't i i ruined that for my son a couple years ago my bad (laughs) It was at Easter. He was like, I didn't get it at Chocolate Bunny. I said, yes, you did. No, I didn't. I go, yes, you did. You and your sister got the same exact one. I bought them at the same time. You ate yours Easter morning. And I went back to like doing the dishes. And I'm, I'm, it took me a minute to realize what I just said. And then I turn and I look and he's staring at me. And he just goes, who gave me that Chocolate Bunny? <laughs> and he, I think he was, oh, God, I'm such a terrible dad. He was like eight at the time. Ah. Uh. Yeah, and I'm like, get in the basement. 
Because <laughs> anyone has sisters here. So yeah. we go downstairs. So you chained so I, him up to the radiator. <laughs> yeah. So, so I had to explain to him what happened. And he got mad at me and stormed out for lying to him. And my my wife, like when she grew up, her parents never said, oh, there's a Santa Claus, there's an Easter bunny, there's a tooth fairy, on and on and on. Um, and But they weren't allowed to say anything to anybody else. So my wife is like – my, so my wife is not a, a, a supporter in that fairy tale in her mind because she's just not. Because she remembers when her cousin Johnny, when he was like 11, and his parents told him that there was no Santa Claus, that he was furious, that his parents lied to him and deceived him all those years and this and that. And I was like, I didn't feel that way when I found out. I was like, all right, whatever, no big deal. I was yeah. like, so I think, you know, I think that's a rarity. And then, of course, Caden throws my face like that I lied to him and storms <laughs> off. So I go outside and I call his mother to say, this is what happened. And she's like, oh, that sucks. I'm like, yeah, it does. But like, I thought she'd be furious, but she wasn't. And then she says, well, did he say anything about Santa Claus? I went, oh, shit, no. And then I turn around because I'm in the driveway and he's staring at me through the door, <laughs> through the window of the door. And he just has this look on his face like, oh, oh. I'm like, oh, man. I gotta go, and so we go in, and he just walks down the basement. So I follow him down. He turns around, and he goes, "What about Santa Claus?" And I just kind of went, "What do you think?" And he just started bawling his eyes out, and then <laughs> he became angry and and uh, about how we lied to him all these years and this and that. And, and then I came up. I'm in a pretty genius dad move. I came up with, "Well, son, let me ask you this question." How do you know Santa Claus doesn't really exist? Because you just told me he doesn't. I'm like, okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just because you've never seen him doesn't mean he doesn't exist. I mean, think about it this way. Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot's real, Dad. Well, of course he is, son. <laughs> yeah. But I've never seen him. <laughs> I said, but think about it. You have, like, just for Easter, just this past Easter, I got you a basket. Your mom got you a basket. Mimi did. Mame did. Mrs. Mom did. Grampy did. Your auntie got you something. I mean, you had like seven different people buy you a pile of candy for Easter. Do you really need the Easter Bunny to come bring you candy? I guess not. Okay, then. Same thing with Santa Claus. You have a dozen plus people between your dad's side and your mom's side of the family that buy you presents. I was like, do you really need Santa Claus to bring you presents? Yes. No. Uh And I go, okay. Now, this... I go, so how do you know that Santa Claus is not like, you're all set, don't worry, your parents and family take care of you. I'm going to go over here to this other kid who has no one to bring him anything. So how do you know that Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and everything, they don't take care of the kids that don't have anyone to give them anything, unlike you who have handfuls of people that bring you stuff. And he's like, yeah, okay, all right, all right. It's like he wanted to believe it, so he did, and he walked off. <laughs> yeah, good move. <laughs> Eh, thanks. Yeah, but um, but then, <laughs> but then like la- like last year, I'm like, or two years ago, whatever. Uh, his mother got him a new uh, DS because his broke or something like that. So she got. I'm looking. At it, I go, where did you get that? Because he was playing, sitting on my couch playing it, and he looks at me, and goes, Santa mom, and he comes back. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. So yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, it's so great watching him. Yeah. Like legitimately angry. He goes, that's not fair. It's like, Dad, he said he was going to get the briefcase. And I had like weird flashes of me and my cousin watching. Yeah. Um, like the when Earthquake kept doing the Earthquake splat, you know, the thing oh. on Hogan. Okay. And he did it like a couple times and like ho- he's clutching his ribs and you're just like, no, he can't breathe. You got to stop doing that. Or like <sighs> when he smashed Damien and you're like, no, that's just – Oh my god. When he crushed Damien. That was unbelievable. And then Jake Roberts' reaction when he looked in the bag. Ugh. That was terrible. Yeah. I was so upset. I was like, I can't – why would they do that? <laughs> I can't believe they would do that. And then later in life I'm like, that's probably a rope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably a big rope. Probably a ring rope was in there or something. <laughs> Some sheets. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I just. Uh, to have that feeling back, though, from that match, ugh, it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. It's like you 
you know, watching your kid or me watching Kanan, because Kanan, he's like, we're going, like I said, we're going to wrestling tomorrow night or the 12th there, WWE in Augusta. Right. And like when I watch him and he's getting carried away and yelling and angry and everything because he gets, he's swept away in it. It's like, ah, it's all worth it. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So you're going to keep watching Lucha Underground? Yeah. I mean, when I have time, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. I was, yeah. As I'm watching other stuff, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to watch Lucha Underground. I, nice. I'm enjoying it. I, it, It's not bad. I don't like I don't like some of the editing. Yeah, but, I get that. I get that. But yeah. it's still, you know, at the same time, I'd rather they do that than, like you were saying before, where you're watching them set up for this move for 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not the same level. But, like, there are times... You know, like I'll watch, you know, on Raw or SmackDown when just you know, whatever match it could be, the two people, they do this whole sequence and then there's just like 10 seconds of them looking at each other. Yeah. And you're just like, do something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. The, the opponent, you know, someone's kind of on the ground and yeah. they're not really moving. And instead of following right up, you know, they start talking to the crowd or just talking to the ref and you're like they're they're laying they're not moving yeah pin him now because like what do you do and then of course they nothing happened then the person just gets up and does and you're just like okay so like in a way i like that lucha cuts out a lot of the it cuts stuff out those little dead stuff. moments yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they have a, a big match, the main event of that first season is is a big uh, Ultima Lucha match with uh, Pentagon Junior against Vampiro, and I remember when I watched, I thought it was a great match, but I'm like, it feels like there's stuff missing. And then later on, I I heard it was like like a 25 or 40 minute match that they edited down to like 20 minutes or something. Ah, uh. yeah. So they cut a lot of stuff out. And it's just kind of like, oh, that kind of takes away from it because sometimes part of the build is the setup, you know, and then the, you know, the the waiting that few seconds before you execute the move to heighten the experience and this and that. Right. So sometimes I feel like they cut some of those high tension moments out, and that's annoying. But you're right at the same time as they cut out those little stall moments that don't do anything. Yeah. So. Anyhow, I, uh, I'm going to have to wrap it up here because i got to get ready for work. That's fine. Uh, but uh, before we go, I do want to plug uh, Limitless Wrestling. It, uh, it's coming back to Maine September the 22nd, Friday night in Westbrook. Uh, it, it's a ridiculously stacked card already. With you know, He's already sold close to 300 tickets, I want to say, for this show. So it's going to be a sellout for the Waterville, sorry, Westbrook Armory. Uh, the the big draw that they brought in headliner is uh, the the former WWE World's Champion Jack Swagger, which I gotta be honest did nothing for me. You know what though? I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. The last I don't know career that he had in WWE. His I, last run? I no his whole run. I I was okay. never that impressed with him in yeah. that setting. Yeah. But you can see. That the guy is talented. Yep. If used correctly. Yeah, Randy was like, I think he'll be pleasantly surprised by Jack Swagger. And I'm like, well, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I, it wouldn't you know? surprise me if he. If I mean, he, he looks like he has a great match. Yeah, so I don't know who he's wrestling. I, I'm assuming it's going to be JT Dunn because JT Dunn is pushing himself as you know the face of Limitless Wrestling and it's his home and everything like that. So I feel like they're going to wrestle each other. But, anyways. His, you know, they haven't announced that. Um, the only matches they've announced so far is uh, they set these up at the last show in Westbrook, which is Ace Romero versus All Good Anthony Green, both friends of the show, taking each other on the main event. Their tag team, Take Me Home Tonight, has now exploded. <laughs> uh, special guest referee is going to be their their teacher, their trainer, Brian Fury, and Fury retired last December, so it's kind of cool to see Fury. Right. Um, loser leaves Limitless Wrestling. Cam Zagami versus Tyler Nitro. Again, they've been building a feud with each other. It's been it's been good. I, I they both have like pompadour haircuts that they're very proud of. So I was I was pushing for a, a haircut match mm. myself. But yeah, it See, is but what it least, is. At least they're able to build to that, and it's not like loser leaves Limitless Wrestling, and that's right. the Jack Swagger match. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that yeah, right. <laughs> I'm hoping that. Uh, like Zagami loses, and then he comes back under a mask as Yellow Dog. 
See, that that's why I think Ricochet yeah. needs to be in the WWE. So Ricochet and Sami Zayn can have just like insane feuds with each other. Yeah. With and without masks. That I'm waiting for Ke- just you uh, know, just crazy. Yeah. Uh, see, I'm waiting for Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn to have a loser leaves the WWE match and Sami Zayn loses and he comes back as, as El Generico. Generico. Yeah. 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 yeah, but could you imagine I'm... Sami Zayn and El Generico feuding with Ricochet and Prince Puma? <laughs> I mean, I just think it would be it the funniest would be thing. Phenomenal, yeah. Um, Who's that masked guy that just attacked? <laughs> you know, like come on, <laughs> it's so amazing. <laughs> um, the other card, the other match has been announced is is uh, Sydney Bacabella is bringing in another hitman to take on Troy Nelson, and this time it's Swoggle. Ah. Hornswoggle. Uh, my son's excited to see him. I, I'm I'm good, but my son's excited. Right. But what I'm really excited about is everyone else they've advertised on the card. Um, they're bringing in Ar Fox. Cool. They're bringing in Teddy Hart. Very cool. I would I would absolutely love to see Teddy Hart Russell Ar Fox. I mean, holy shit, they're both crazy high flying type guys. I know they could have an unbelievable killer of a match. Uh, they're bringing in Joey Janela. I am so fucking excited to see Joey Janela live. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, he's one of my favorites right now. And yeah, are, are you gonna cry after the match? Oh God, no, 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 <laughs> no. If it's a good match, maybe. But otherwise, I doubt it. Um, they're bringing in Joey Ryan. Okay. So I'm pretty excited to see him live. He's the guy that flips people with his yeah. dick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, they're bringing back Josh Briggs. He's a big guy. Great to see him coming back. Of course, like I said, JT Dunn. They're bringing in uh, women's wrestlers Skyler and Willow Nightingale. And then they're bringing in – they're calling them LAX. They, I, they were for be EBYFO to me. But it's uh, the current TNA – or sorry, Global Force Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Mike Drazak and Angel Ortiz, LAX. Okay. Yeah. They're New England guys. They're bringing them in. And I am begging and pleading with Randy to bring uh, the Tabernacle team in and have those guys wrestle each other. Because the Tabernacle team has been on the last half dozen Limitless shows, so they're they're regulars in the company. Okay. But these those two teams, holy shit, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. So, anyhow, I got front row. Bringing my son, we got front row for uh, this stacked Limitless card. Well, it sounds pretty awesome. There's a guy from New Jersey, and I know you probably don't know him because not you don't know everyone from New Jersey, I realize. But there's actually a guy from New Jersey who has family in Maine, and he always seems to find time to come to Maine during the Limitless shows. <laughs> and he brings his son, and they come up to go to the Limitless shows and stay with his, like, his whatever, and then he heads back down home. So there's people that come from out of state is the point of this, to go to these shows. Well, this is the thing. Yeah, I don't know anyone from New Jersey, and I don't have family in Maine. So fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I might you don't have, know anyone from New Jersey. Awesome, huh? I might have family in Maine. I know. Uh, strangely enough, like about a dozen people that I grew, like grew up with and went to school with, yep, all just randomly live in Maine now, like all over the well, state. It's the pl- it's the place to be. <laughs> it's definitely not the place to be. But they, they're they're like they're Harsh. very very outdoorsy, yeah. you know, wildernessy type of people who love skiing and apparently being frozen from about April until about the next April. Um, look, we have winter, 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 and three months of summer. Yeah. Okay. We have good. We have good. To, we have good mix of, of weather. <laughs> Anyhow, you can always just stay with me. I guess. As long, yeah. as long as there's crazy people beating each other up on your driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not anymore. But, I mean, I don't know. You can arrange something. <laughs> All right, brother. Uh, yeah, we're going to wrap it up. i gotta, I got to get ready for work. But uh, I guess uh, if you'd like to reach out to us to talk to us. Have some comments. Tell us what you think about Progress Wrestling or CZW show I talked about or anything else. I'm at Superstar Mel. I am at Aaron S. Bell. Ronnie's at uh, Ron Bass 316. <laughs> uh, 
allegedly nothing to do with Austin 316. It's all about his son, whose birthday is also March the 16th. But uh, call it shenanigans on that one. <laughs> I call shenanigans on lots of things. Yeah. 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 It's a fun word. Uh, I think Super Trooper True, Super Troopers 2 is finally going to be coming out. Yeah, so. it finished filming recently. I'm so excited. Like, I really do want to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I told you. I saw the first one in the theater three times opening weekend because – yes more of my friends like no one wanted to go see it except for one buddy and as as we spread word of mouth people kept wanting to go and we're just like we'll go see it again it's a phenomenal flick it's the best one they've done the broken lizard has done absolutely Mm. no which one did you like better i think i like club dread better no i like i definitely i like that's a close second for me but it's definitely for me it's super troopers Mm. maybe because i relate to some of the things oh yeah i can see that or because I've said some of those things. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the show is uh, is on the Facebook podcast of a thousand holds, and then we got a we got a fa- we got a Twitter as well. Yep. Twitter so cool. Of a thousand Thanks. posts. Yes, Twitter of a thousand posts. That's it. That's us. Yeah. So thanks. <laughs> I'm not, I have not <laughs> sore throat from the allergy reaction earlier. Not a sore throat, but just my whole head hurts, so I'm not going to yell because if I move my mouth too much, yeah, I'm just going to aggravate everything. Yeah, my ex-wife has that issue too. <laughs> she, if she moves her mouth too much, she aggravates you. 